Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Good morning, church. I was reading on my smartphone today. Um, just seems to be that all the news just now is all bad news. There's nothing good. Um, the headlines I was reading were due to this global pandemic. We are now hurtling towards a, another financial crash. Uh, at best, we could be entering another recession uh, that could be worse than the last one back in 2008. Or worse still, it could be another depression. And the last one we had experienced in the UK was back in the 1930s. But the long and short of it, according to the news, is that the future looks very bleak indeed. Although some of you think I look old, I wasn't around actually in the 1930s to remember the depression. Uh, but I was around and I very clearly remember the financial meltdown in 2008. For many, it was a tough time, and for me, it certainly was as well. I know I've talked about this before, so I won't go into the details. There was a time where my employment and financial outlook looked very bleak indeed. And despite that bleak outlook, I felt God tell me one day that we needed to sponsor some children through compassion on top of our existing church giving. Perhaps reluctantly, but obediently, we did. And Years after that, two or three years thereafter, we experienced huge financial blessings. For me, for us, it was a miracle. But now I can start to see the same early signals that this same bleak employment and financial outlook may occur again. I can have the faith and believe in what God has done before. He will surely do it again that he will bring once again a victory to my situation. But what it says in 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. We achieve this victory through our faith. Our faith is key to winning the victory. To have faith that if God has done it before, he will surely do it again is a good thing. But there is a danger, there is a, a, a risk, if you like, that we can start to look at the future through the lens of past blessings, looking for the same signs, the same evidence that can give us, give me the comfort, the hope to believe that God has got this one too. I can become fixated looking for the same changes, the same patterns on before as I read the news and read the financial markets, as I listen and read world opinion, seeing my hope for life through the lens of my current circumstances. Instead, I need to look through the lens of faith that looks to God. Because as it says in the Word, in Hebrews 11, 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And with that faith, 
believe that no matter what happens, good or for bad, trust that God will have the victory. The world may describe this as blind faith, but the Bible describes faith not so much as a leap in the dark, but rather as a walk in the light. And even, and it says in Psalm 119, 105, it says your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And even although what I see in my hand may be bad news, I need to trust God and his promises that are in his word and not to let the worries or the, or the opinions of the world define my thinking or shape my life. As it says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on what you think you know. For me, I believe God is doing a new thing and he may not do the same old thing as he did before. But if we focus on our changing circumstances as the evidence that God is in control, as proof of his promises, we are in danger of disappointment and missing the point and power of our faith. What is in your hand can shape how you view your life. There's a story in Exodus 4 when Moses, read about Moses and he meets God at the burning bush and he's given the task of fulfilling God's promise and leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery. But Moses is fearful that the Israelites won't believe him. So the Lord says to Moses, what is in your hand? A staff, a simple piece of wood, nothing special that God used to turn into a snake and back to a staff to provide evidence to the Israelites that God had indeed appeared to Moses, that God had made a promise to lead them out of slavery to the promised land. So we all know the story. So Moses with his staff in hand eventually leads the Israelites out of Egypt towards the promised land. But on their way, pretty much at the start of their journey to Canaan, the Israelites are caught between a rock and a hard place, between the Red Sea and the pursuing Egyptian army. The trapped Israelites would have seen in the distance the cloud of dust and sand that had been kicked up from the pounding hooves of the advancing Egyptians. The Israelites were terrified, panicking, moaning, saying surely it would have been better staying as slaves in Egypt than dying in the desert. Then God says to Moses, what is in your hand. Lift up your staff, stretch your hand out over the sea to divide it so that the Israelites can walk through the sea on dry ground to the other side. And then the pursuing Egyptian army is swept away as the Red Sea returns to its natural state. The Israelites faced certain death either by the sword or by drowning and yet God brought a victory to both situations. But as the time goes on, as the Israelites walk in the wilderness, they grow weary and start to complain about the food and the lack of water, even longing for the times that they were slaves back in Egypt. And when Moses heads up to Mount Sinai, the Israelites grow frustrated and restless and they start to look at what was in their hands, the gold and the silver that they had taken from the Egyptians. It served as a reminder of the relative comfort of slavery. 
and it fills their hearts with longing of the past. And so they melt this gold and silver down to form a golden calf, an Egyptian god, and they worship it. The Israelites had literally and spiritually lost their way. They viewed the evidence of God's promise through the lens of their current circumstances. What is in your hand can shape how you view your life. Let me tell you a wee story. I like stories. Let me tell you a little story. A guy I met, his name is Dave, on my last Extreme Camp Challenge back in July 2019. He tells me that when he was younger, he had experienced a number of business failures, struggling to find his niche in life. One day he felt God speak to him that he had, he had to start a sugar business. He knew nothing about sugar, absolutely nothing other than he put two spoonfuls of it in his tea every morning. So he started to do some research into the sugar industry and thought he had found a unique market with fair trade sugar. This goes uh, back many years before it became main mainstream. So he, he started to import a small amount of sugar, all that he could afford, the one or two sacks of sugar would get delivered to his garden shed. He would then manually decant the larger bags into smaller bags and then he would strap these small bags to his bicycle and cycle around the local shops selling the sugar to these little shops. He couldn't afford a van or a car. He described to me how in these early days he'd be working day and night, seven days a week. There was, there was no or little evidence of success. But his faith was stronger than his current circumstances, so he persevered. Soon, some of the supermarkets took an interest in his product. And in a few short years, his business had expanded from his garden shed to a warehouse. Staff and lorries were now part of his business model. Success had arrived. But with success becomes more challenges. And soon some of the larger uh, big sugar competitors were, were now seeing him on their radar. And then one day this small time entrepreneur receives an invite to meet the CEO of the global giant in the sugar world. On the day of the meeting he's dressed in his business suit, crisp white shirt and tie. He's ready to do business, not necessarily to make money, but ready to do business to see God bring a victory. And on his way out of his front door, he bends down in his garden and picks up a few objects and places them in his jacket pocket. And he makes his way into the city. He turns up at Sugar HQ, which is more like a cathedral to the product than a standard office building. He's met by the CEO's personal assistant and he's then ushered into the CEO's wood-panelled uh, office that smelt of cedar, leather and, of course, the sweet smell of sugar. As he walked on that soft, thick carpet into the room and took a seat in front of the CEO's desk, the observants in the room may have noticed that Dave had his hand in his jacket pocket and was fidgeting with something. Fidgeting, I think, is the wrong word. Fidgeting would imply that he was perhaps nervous or fearful about the circumstances. But rather, what he held in his hand 
in his jacket pocket served as a reminder of his faith in God. And that no matter what happens in that meeting, God will bring a victory. And from behind that large wooden desk, the powerful CEO abruptly starts by saying that in his line of work, they regularly see young upstart companies trying to disrupt the sugar market. That they employ a two-pronged attack to dealing with these small companies. The first course of action is with their deep pockets, is to price that small-time competitor out of the market. And then all they had to do was sweep up what was left. After all, business is business. And on the rare occasions that this strategy does not work, then they would embark on a detailed covert investigation into the small company and the owner, looking for any signs of corruption, corners that were cut, legal processes not followed, etc., etc. Then they would take this damning evidence over to the authorities, who will then either close down that small business or slap on a crippling fine. And then all the big company would need to do is to sweep up the remains. After all, business is business. But the CEO pauses. He removes his glasses and looks at Dave in the eye and says, your business has become an irritant to us. We have tried so hard to stamp your small sugar business out with a price war. But the more we stamp, the more people seem to buy your products. We were all so confused in our organisation. So we started our in-depth investigation into your company. We went through your life and your business with a fine tooth comb. We knew all about your family, your, their birthdays, your dog's name even, your hobbies, your charitable giving. We noticed that you take all your profits from your business to support Christian charities. But we could not find one shred of evidence of any wrongdoing. In fact, the, the opposite. These Christian charities, you, you sow back to them to build hospitals and schools and churches to supply fresh drinking water in the areas that grow and supply sugar. We have never seen a level of uh, integrity and honesty before. And with that, the CEO looks at Dave and says, we would like to offer you a job in our company, not as an employee, but as a business partner with complete autonomy. Dave thought for a moment, his hand fastening onto the objects in his jacket pocket. He smiled and accepted the offer under the condition that all the profits of this joint venture continued to be sown into the same Christian charities. It was agreed. Dave left the CEO's office, closed the door behind him. He took his hand out of his jacket pocket and looked down at the five smooth stones that he held in his hand. David had indeed taken down the giant. God had given him the victory. You see, church, faith brings down the giants in your life. Faith opens the door to the miraculous. Faith provides the evidence and unlocks the promises of God. Faith turns dreams into reality. Faith gives us the power to hold on through tough times. What do you hold on to? What is in your hand? What lens do you look, do you view your life with? 
Is it through fear? Is it worry? Is it hope when you're changing circumstances? Or is it through faith that God is in control and he already has your victory in his hand? Thank you and God bless.